The parish is Vetchanan, and the Shabbos is called Nachamu. The Shabbos is called Nachamu because the Haftorah that we read on this this week begins with the words Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, Yomar Elokim. So the, the problem is, what is the Navi saying? Is the Navi saying, be comforted because of something? Because it's the week after Tisha B'Av and we're still here. That's Nachamu. Or, or does it mean, figure out some way to be consoled? Uh, well, what's in the parsha? Is there something in the parsha of Etchanan that leads to Nachamu? That leads to Nachamu. The Novi, the Novi thinks that Nachamu, it says, Dabru Alevi Ushalayim, Speak to the heart of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim causes people and the city. Call out to it. Somehow, somehow, just being around, just realizing that we've come through somehow, is itself nechama. It's not that the nechama is that something happened. I mean, it's true that after the Churban, Bayit Rishon, the Mizbeach and then the Beit HaMikdash was built, were rebuilt, and that's a nechama. I mean, as I, I may have mentioned, I mean, the Mizbeach was really rebuilt. The new Mizbeach was built on the foundation of the original Mizbech that was built by Shazad. That's why it was pretty easy to build the Mizbech. Building the building that housed the Beit HaMikdash was much more difficult and took a long, a long time. And even then it was not very uh, impressive until Herod came along. Herod is one of the bad guys. And he decided to make the building more impressive, bigger, and he did that. He did that so that the wall that we see, I mean, you can see, if somebody is in the two, you can see the seam where the rocks, where Herod extended the wall. If you're looking at the Kotel Maravi, for example, which is what we usually look at, and you look from, say, left to right, all the way to the corner, you can actually see where the addition was, where he made it bigger. You see that the you know the two kinds of bigger on the uh, Kotel Maravi. There's the extension to the south, right? It was bigger, and then there's the extension up. The extension up is pretty ugly, and that was done very recently in the days of Montefiore. Montefiore uh, thought that the Kotel Maravi was not impressive enough. You have to remember that it was. The Kotel Maravi was one side of a narrow alley. Right? One side was the Kotel Maravi and the other side were buildings. And, in the, and you could walk, but, you know, sort of. And the, the Arabs, of course, walked with donkeys back and forth. And the Jews, it was very difficult to daven there because it was just, there's not a lot of, a lot of space. <coughs> so that um, Montefiore thought that the wall was not high enough wasn't impressive, so they built up, you could see, on the top, 
where the stones were added. I mean, they're obviously different kinds of stones. They didn't, you know, take these 50-ton stones and put them on top of what was already there, but they took smaller bricks and put them on top. So Herod, 2,000 years ago, extended uh, the wall, what we call the Western Wall, um, southward, made it bigger, and then 1,900 years later, they made it higher because most of the Western Wall was underground by that time. Do you know that when you go to the Kotel, you walk down a ramp? Right, so those, that ramp is the height of the stones that were uncovered after the Six-Day War. In other words, like there are ten big rows of stone today, then there were seven after the Six-Day War. You could only see seven, but they were afraid to dig it any further because they would have to put up, they thought they'd have to put up, uh, you know, something that holds it back, a retaining wall or retainers, and they, it wouldn't look, it would not have looked like it was impressive. It would look like under construction all the time, so they didn't do that. They just uncovered the three rows that they, re- that they thought would be safe to uncover, but there are many more rows. If you go on one of those walking tours, right, they have these places where they have grates and you look down to the bottom and you can see stones, you know, the wall going down another ten rows. <clears throat> so when they came back to Eretz Yisrael, they built the Mizbeach very easily, the returnees, because it was no big deal. It didn't cost a lot of money. But then the Jews uh, <coughs> had difficulty. Uh, the Navi Haggai, who came back to Eretz Yisrael with the, um, with the Jews who came back from Persia. That was Persia because Persia conquered Bavel. So we can call it Persia. It was the same people. The, the Jews came back, <coughs> the Jews came back to Eretz Yisrael and they, um, um, they were able to start the bait, the build the Beit HaMikdash, but they are um, scolded by the Navi Chagai for not building the Beit HaMikdash, where they started and stopped. They said they don't have the money, they don't have the wherewithal to build the Beit HaMikdash, so it took a long time until the Jews, you know, until Ezra came back. It was somewhat later and kind of convinced all the Jews to come. Zerubavel who came earlier to Eretz Yisrael, brought with him about 40,000 Jews, 43,000. I mean, it's enumerated in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. You can actually count the families that came, etc. So in any, any event, if we, we could ask whether the parsha indicates something that is nachamu, something that is a, a nechama, other than the fact that we're still around, which I think is certainly a nechama, so let's look at these psukim. At the end of the, at the end of Vayat Hanan, the Torah says, Ki yaviyecha Hashem elokecha la'aretz, asher et ha'basham elorishta. And then it says, the pasuk says, V'nashal goyim rabim mipanecha. Rashi says, V'nashal. You see the Rashi? L'shon hashlacha, l'shal hashlich, to throw away the to like spritz something away. 
So that's hatazav. Echein v'neshal habarzel. Okay, the steel will drive something away. Uh, or the, the, the steel gets thrown off of the hatchet. You know, comes apart. Again, what does the Pesach say? V'neshal goyim rabim ipanecha. And then they list them. Goyim rabim. Hachiti, hagegashi, emori, vaklani, vaprizi, vachibri, vayivusi. Shiv'a goyim rabim v'atzumim imeka. So these seven nations are rabim v'atzumim. There are more of them than you are and they are stronger than you are. Unetanam Hashem elokecha lefanecha v'hikitam then God will give them to you, you will be able to smite them. Hachareim tachareim otam you will make them, you will put them in the category of cherem, of outside of acceptable society. Lo tichrot lehembrit v'lo tichaneim lo tichrot lehembrit you won't make any agreements with them v'lo tichaneim the words lo tichaneim you see what Rashi says uh, create a problem Rashi says, don't be nice to them. Okay, that's, we could put up with that. I mean, they don't know exactly what that means. It's not, you know, it doesn't make us terrible. But, the second interpretation, Okay, a person cannot say, that's a good looking goy. Right? Even though I think most people do say things like that. Davaracher, this is the, the issue. Davaracher, al-titein lem chanaya ba'aretz. Al-titein lem chanaya ba'aretz means something like you can't sell them land in Israel. You can't sell them land in Eretz Yisrael. I don't know if it means that if they have land in Eretz Yisrael that you have to try to take it away from them. I'm not sure about that. But it certainly means that if you own land in Eretz Yisrael, you shouldn't sell the land to a goy. Now, what was the ideology here? Lo titchaten bam b'techa lo titchaten livino b'to lo tikach livinecha. You know, don't intermarry. I guess the assumption was, as Rashi explains, that um, that you could intermarry and still be Jewish. You could maintain your, once you have a, you're the dominant culture, that's what happened to the Jews who came back to Eretz Yisrael from Paras, from Persia and Babylon. Since, uh, uh, there weren't many people, there weren't enough people to, to marry, so they intermarried. They married natives who were non-Jewish. Right? You know that at that time there was a large community of non-Jews in uh, Eretz Yisrael who are called Samaritans. Right? Now the Samaritans thought that they were Jewish. You know, no? Shomronim, the Shomronim. They thought that they were Jewish because they had adopted the Torah and the Minhagim and the Mitzvot of the Torah. So the Gemara says, the beginning of Chulun, the Gemara says, can you eat a matzah on Pesach that's made by a Samaritan? The Gemara says, you can. Can you eat meat that was shechted? The animal was shechted by Samaritans. The Gemara says, yes. Even though there's no doubt that they were not Jewish. They were not Jewish because they didn't 
No one converted to Judaism. They just decided one day they were they were called Gerei Arayot. Right? The, the lions uh, attacked them regularly and they decided that the reason was that they were not worshipping the the local deity. So they decided to adopt the local deity as their deity, right? The Torah. So they, they adopted God and the mitzvot, but did not convert. So when the Jews came to Eretz Israel, when the Jews came back to Eretz Israel, these Samaritans turned out to be, turned out in time to be the great opponents of the Jewish resurgimento, because they understood, everybody understood, that the Jews didn't want the Samaritans to be part of it. The Samaritans understood that the Jews didn't want them to be part of it. So they became enemies instead of becoming, instead of becoming fast friends, they become, they became even faster enemies. And so it was very easy to intermarry with Samaritans. It wasn't like you're intermarried with someone who didn't know anything about Judaism. They knew a lot about Judaism. And they practiced it. They practiced it. So you had to, if, if, a, if a guy met a girl, I don't know how it worked in those days, but if a guy met a girl and the girl, uh, you know, said a very long brocha chrona, so you knew you could marry her, right? I mean, that was the, if that was the test. So, that was the test. She said a long bracha chroda. And if you, if you asked her what the shear of matzah was for the seder, so she would tell you something. So it seemed like a good person to marry. And that became, interesting, this is like a prophetic statement in the Torah, that there will be a time when Jewish men will marry non-Jewish girls. How could that happen? After all, there was so much admonition against idolatry. Well, it, what started it going was the Samaritans, I think. Because it was very easy to connect to the Samaritans who were just like Jews, even though they weren't Jews. So it was not hard to marry. It wasn't hard to intermarry. Um, a Samaritan, the same thing is true today, uh, even though today there are very few Samaritans left. But Samaritans are like Israelis. And you can't tell the difference between a Samaritan and an Israeli. But if a Samaritan wants to marry an Israeli, he might, he or she might be, uh, you know, very interested in keeping the, the holidays or, or doing certain mitzvot, and that would not be acceptable. Any, in any event, it says, Lotit Chatein Bam, Pasuk Dalit, Chi Asirid Bin Cha Meacharai, words, it could be that the Samaritans, this I'm not so, so clear on this point, continued to worship other gods as well. It was they had this idea that you had to worship the local god, but that didn't mean that they didn't worship any other god. So that again, the prediction of the Torah would be would be true that intermarriage would be problematic. Intermarriage would be problematic because. You know, this is, you have to remember, it's before the world of Seinfeld, where everybody is everybody. You know, like there's no, um, there's no ideological position. It's only a question of where you put the Hanukkah menorah and where you put the Christmas tree. But it's not like an ideological question. It's just a, 
like a like a furniture question. Like, how do you want to set it up? Uh, in those days, everything was serious. I mean, all of these things were serious things. Um, so this is a, uh, you know, idolatry was a, a big topic in the book of Devarim. And for us it's a little difficult to understand why it is that idolatry is like the worst Aveira in the world and we're always nervous about becoming idolatrous. I mean, I don't think that watching television makes you an idolater. If you do, if you do think that watching television makes you an idolater, then everything is clear. Right, but if you don't, so that it's like a little bit difficult to understand why the Torah was so careful about this. Ki am kadosh ata l'Hashem elokecha b'chabachar Hashem elokecha liyot lo la'am segula mikol ha'amim asher pini adama. So kadosh segula. These are these are the the big words. Now we're up to pasuk Zion. Up to pasuk Zion, God is warning us. That when we come to the to the land and we become domesticated, that we have to be careful not to fall into certain traps that all fall under the uh, kind of rubric of idolatry. We shouldn't intermarry. We shouldn't allow ourselves to be influenced by the foreign culture, etc. pasuk zayin, and pasuk zayin seems to be a non sequitur, and also hard to understand. Not because you are so many or many more than the other nations. Chashak. Chashak means God desired us that we have some kind of special relationship with God. Chashak Hashem Bachem and and because of this special relationship you are chosen. I mean, what could this pasuk possibly mean? If you turn the page and you look at the at the Rajbam, he asks the question. He says, the Rajbam, remember, is Rashi's grandson. Right, so he says, Anshe Levav Yaminu Yavinu Yitmehu Right, those who have a heart, I mean, who have the heart to speak, uh, understand, and they have, they, they can't, uh, they can't understand what the, it is, they understand the words, but they don't understand what the Pasuk means. Like, who, and who thought something else? He says, how did the Pasuk say, Lo not because you are so many. So, who, who is the Pasuk talking to? Who thought that Am Yisrael was the biggest nation in the world? Who thought such a thing? He says, Shayim Rubim Mekala Mochim Olam, Shutzrach Lamar Lo Mirubchem. Old, old furthermore, he says, Shamar Chashak Hashem Bachem. It has been the continuation of the Pasuk is that God loved you, had desire for Am Yisrael. Just because there are a lot of them? I mean, you know, 
there are a lot of people who are not us. I mean, many, many, many. I mean, just to mention, you know, you all know, we'd love to mention a few. He says, So along comes the Rashbam. And we start from the Rashbam, we'll go back to Rashi. But we start from the Rashbam. Since the Paul says, Goyim Rabbim, many nations will be disengaged from you. Achiti, etc. We read that pasuk. Shiva Goyim Rabbim, Vatsu Mimimchem, Mimcha. Those seven nations are greater than and stronger than you are. V'shem etomru anu mirubim miotan shivata memim uvaotsem yadenu nigareshotav. Unless you say, we are really bigger and stronger than those seven nations and we can drive them away with our right arms. You are not greater than the seven nations. It's not because of your numerical size that God desires you to defeat them. Elatem hamaat, you're like the smallest. Mikol otam zayin amemim, you're the smallest of those seven nations. El meavat Hashem etchem bishvil shuatol avotechem v'nashal otam mipanecha. So there's the Rashbam. The Rashbam, how does he how does he deal with the problem? Let's let's see if we can get it. The problem is, who would think that we are, are beloved by God because we are so big. I mean, who would think such a thing? Who listening to Moshe Rabbeinu teaching the Torah, or even today? Who would think? I mean, everybody knows how many Jews there are in the world. And everybody knows that in terms of the world, it's a very small number. It's a very small number. So in those days, who would say that because we're so big, God lo- loved us? So the, the, the Rashbam, in order to explain the Pasuk, changes this, the Pasuk from being a general statement about the greatness of Am Yisrael to a particular statement that follows Pasuk Aleph. And then, Vinashal Goyim Rabim, right, the Goyim are Rabim, that's what that's what the 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 Rashbab says. It's an internal. It has to do with these psukim. God promised B'nai Yisrael that they would defeat the seven nations. So B'nai Israel could think that somehow they are the majority, they are the great, they are the big, because they're able to defeat these seven nations. But the Pesach says, no, that's not why uh, why God loves you. Right? Pesach Zayin, lo mirubchem mikolal amim shachak Hashem bachem. Ki, Pesach 8, me'avat Hashem etchem. That's what happened. Right? Now, Rashi gives a similar interpretation. If you look at the Rashi in Pasuk Chet, Ki Mi'avat Hashem, 
Rashi says, Hare ki mishamesh bilashon ela. Sometimes the word ki, that little word, should be translated by another little word, ela. In other words, not only this, this is certainly not true. Ela, what is true? Not because you're big and strong and many. So Ava overrides even big. Even when a small nation does things that make it look big, like Yisrael defeating the seven nations in Eretz Canaan, that does not create the reality. It's not that God is happy with us because we carried out the mission or we, uh, you know, we have the best uh, commandos or something. But it's rather that because God is favors Am Yisrael that they can do things like that. That's the way Rashi, that's the way Rashi explains it. However, Rashi also quotes the Medrash. Rashi also quotes the Medrash. If you look at Pasuk, um, uh, Pasuk Zion again. You see, Lo Meyubchem, It's not because you are many. Kipshuto, meaning, you know, you're talking not many. You're, you're very few. Or Medrasho, which means whatever it means. It means it means that the non-obvious or the less obvious meaning of the pasuk. Rufisha einatem magdilim atzmechem. It's a little bit different. This is like uh, the Medrash, the Gemara. We'll see in a minute. Lo Lomirubchem means you don't make yourselves great. You don't say, oh, we defeated the seven nations. Oh, we are great. We are big. We are... We can do anything we want. So Rashi quotes the, the Gemara, quotes the Medrash. He says, uh, That's why, that's why God loves B'nai Yisrael. Because they don't, uh, make themselves great. Rashi then continues and quotes the, the rest of the Medrash. Ki atem, ki atem ha-ma'at. Ki atem ha-ma'at. Pasuk Zayin. Ki atem ha-ma'at mikola amim. After all, you are the smallest of all the nations. There's also a Who says B'nai Yisrael is the smallest of all the nations? Who said such a thing? Maybe there's somebody else who's smaller. Uh, you know, Iceland it's a, it's a country, right? <laughs> It used to be a country. Iceland is a country. How many people are there in the country? Oh, it's like a, it's like one of those quiz questions, you know. So my answer is that I don't know, but I think about four hundred thousand people in the country. So that's a pretty small country, right? And even though. We think of ourselves as being a small country. We're not that small. So what does this mean? So Rashi understood that this was problematic. And he explains it as follows. So 
So that's what the Pesach says. On the one hand, you don't make yourselves great. On the other hand, you tend to be humble. You tend to diminish, uh, diminish things, your, your, your successes. Kigon Abraham, like Abraham who said, Anochi Afav Eifer. Okigon Moshe Aaron Jomu Venachmuma. Okay, quotes the quotes the psukim. So I, I I put the Gemara on the page. Just look at the Gemara. The Gemara is where Rashi gets it from. Right here, the Gemara Chulin Da Peites Over Dollar. Omer Rabbi Yochanan Meshur Rabbi Lozer Bar Shimon Kol Matom Shetam Matzed Rav Shur Rabbi Eliezer Benosher Rabbi Yosi Agliri Bagada. I say, oh, Oznechaka Fakeset. Whatever you hear, Rabbi Lozab, Rabbi Yosi Aglili, he was considered to be a great expert on explaining Agadita. So you should listen very carefully whenever he says something. So listen to this. Lomi Rubchem Mikola Amim Chashak Hashem Rubchem. This is our Pesach. Amalem HaKadosh Baruch Yisraeli Yisrael. Choshkeni Bachem. I desire you, God speaking. Even when I give you greatness, a parallel to greatness is rav or rov, right? Even when I give you this opportunity to make yourselves in big shots, then you make yourselves small. Natati Gidulala Avraham. I gave Avraham greatness. What was the greatness of Avraham? That he won a great battle. He, he inherited the land. And then he said, after the Brit Ben Abitarim, Anach Anochi Afarva Efer. Anochi Afarva Efer. In other words, I'm not anything. I'm not anything at all. The Moshe Amar v'nachnuma. They both said. They both said together. Nachnuma. Like what are we? What are we after all? L'David Amar v'anochi tolat v'lo ish. That's what David Amelach said. I'm a worm. I'm not a real person. Avalov de kolchavim einan kein. Natati gedulal nimrod. I gave Nimrod an opportunity to be great. Amar, Nimrod said, let's build a city that goes up to heaven, up to the sky, and maybe we'll take over the sky. Paro Amar, Mi Hashem, when Moshe and Aaron came to power the first time, Paro said, who is God? Who is God? L'san Chiriv Amar, Mi B'kol Elohei Ha'aratzot, Nebuchadnezzar, who said, Ale Albamate Av, Av is like a cloud. I sat in the place of God. Okay, so you have two sides. There's Abraham, Moshe, and Aaron, right, that's one side, and David Amelech, right, that's one side. And then you have on the other side, who do you have on the other side? Um, Paro, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Sancheriv, where's Sancheriv? 
Oh, the last one, Paro uh, Sancheiv, I'm sorry. Paro Sancheiv, Nebuchadnezzar, and Chiram Melech Right? So what's Paro? Paro is, has dominion over Am Yisrael. Who's Sancheiv? He has dominion over the ten tribes, the northern tribes that he sent them into exile. Who's Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar has dominion over over Bnei Yisrael. Right, so that, that what, uh, is there somebody I missed? After Nebuchadnezzar? Hiram. What? Hiram. Oh, Hiram. That's a, like a, also Hiram built the Beit HaMikdash. Right? He had the wood and he had the artisans. He built the Beit HaMikdash. So in other words, all of these four, all of these four people are candidates for greatness. The candidates for greatness. God gave them greatness. Right, Paro? What? Oh, and Nimrod with Abu Mavino. Right? In other words, Nimrod was also a candidate for greatness. A candidate for greatness. Who achieved the greatness? Who achieved greatness? Moshe, Avram, Moshe, and Aram. They are the ones who achieved greatness. So why? What's the difference? Between Paro, what was the difference between Paro, Nimrod, and Paro, and Sancheriv, and Nebuchadnezzar, and Hiram? Right, Hiram is, is not perfectly clear, but what's the difference between Abraham, Moshe, Aaron on one side, and all these others? So apparently, according to the Medrash, According to Rabbi Lozab, Rabbi Yossi Aglili, who is a great expert in Agadita, meaning he's a thoughtful person, and everybody has to kind of think about what he's saying. So, uh, what did he think? What did he think? He thought that greatness is something that's bestowed by God upon people. But having bestowed the greatness on the people... The people themselves have to be able, have to be worthy of maintaining that greatness, of keeping it. So who was worthy of keeping the greatness? Who remained great? Moshe, Avraham, Moshe, Aaron, and David. They maintained the greatness that was bestowed upon them by God. And the others that I mentioned, even though they also had greatness bestowed upon them by God, Paro was able to keep the Jews imprisoned, and Sancheriv was able to drive out the ten tribes, and was able to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. It was this greatness that's bestowed upon people, not only upon Jews, but those people were not able to maintain the greatness. The greatness eluded them. It disappeared. It went up in, in smoke. Just the transfer of power from Bovel, Nebuchadnezzar, to Persia, to Koresh, just happened in a day. It just was something that it just disappeared. The great, the great, uh, uh, um, the great Babylonian Empire just disappeared in a day, and it became the Persian Empire. So that even though the greatness was bestowed upon them by God, they were unable to maintain themselves in that role of greatness. So what was it that they were missing? What was it they were missing? So I've, I've mentioned in the past, you know, the Torah says that when God set out to make man, the Pesach says, Nasa Adam Chidmutenu. It's a plural. 
we will make. The question, of course, is who's the we? I mean, God is creating the world. So Rashi quotes a Medrash. And the Medrash says that God consulted with the Tzivos HaShamayim, with the, the hosts in heaven, about whether man should be created. God wanted to create man, but the angels were not so enthusiastic. So, what is that? What is that? So Rashi introduces this story by saying that this is the humility of HaKadosh Baruch That God was willing to consult, even though, of course it was going to be God's will. And the consultation didn't really mean anything. So what's the pshat? I mean, so if the consultation didn't mean anything, so why did God do it? I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say God consulted, but it didn't matter. What is Rashi, what is Rashi pointing us to? Rashi is saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created humility. How did God create humility? How did God create light? God said it. There's a Sorah Ma'amora, Pukhiyavot says, there are ten Aleph Mem Resh, Psukim, that describe the creation of the world. But Nase Odom B'Tzalmenu Chidmutenu, God said, in order to create man, and give man the opportunity that he should have, there has to also be the creation of humility. In other words, man slash woman <laughs> needs humility. Because without humility, they won't be able to get anywhere. They won't be able to do anything. So that's the pshat in this Gemara. The pshat in the Gemara is, the pshat in the Gemara is that Avraham, Avraham, Moshe, Aaron, and David Amelach, they had humility. So the greatness stuck to them. The power that was bestowed upon them through heaven stayed with them. They're always remembered as the ones who gave the Torah, made the Tilim, got Am Yisrael going. I mean, they're always, always the same. But the people who were not able to kind of be humble, they weren't able to be humble. They are the ones they're the ones who disappeared. Their, their, uh, their power disappeared. I mean, there's nobody who thinks that Nebuchadnezzar is their king today. There's no one who thinks that Sanchev uh, exists in any way, form, or, 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 uh, or system. But Avraham, Moshe, and Aaron, and David Amelch, they exist. They exist for us. They lead us. They direct us because they had this quality that's called humility. And they were able... So here in the Pasuk, this is what I, uh, what I think is correct, that this Pasuk says, Lo mikol ha'amim chashak Hashem b'chem ki atem ha'ma'at mikol ha'amim. It's not because you are great but it's because you tempered the greatness with humility. And by tempering the greatness with humility, you became extraordinary. And since that extraordinary, that's what the Rav is. The Rav is the, the power, the might, the achievement, right? That's Rav. And the Ma'at is that you were able to see yourself in this perspective of being having limited 
um, limited uh, uh, power and especially especially humility. So that's what I think Rashi means and that's what I think the, uh, the Psukim mean. The Rashbam, as an introduction, is a simple, straightforward, uh, straightforward kind of introdu- uh, explanation. And the Gemara, I think, expands what Rashi says uh, very, uh, very seriously. And you should review that. Okay, have a good Shabbos.